Well, as we worship together on this uh, Memorial Weekend, uh, let me ask you a problem, a question. And that is, uh, do you have any trouble remembering things? Hmm? You ever forget where you put your keys? Maybe your wallet, a checkbook, and maybe that's a passe today about checkbooks, but maybe your debit card? That would be a frantic search, wouldn't it? Um, a telephone number that you've written, and, and you didn't put a name with it. So from time to time, I just have this sinking feeling. I'll find a sticky note somewhere in my office when I go to clean off my desk. There's a telephone number, and I don't know who it is and whether I'm supposed to call them back or what. Let me ask this. How many of you have forgotten a family member's birthday or your own anniversary? That's not a good thing, is it? Well, every one of us, no matter what our age, forgets things at some time. And according to a Johns Hopkins uh, research, they have discovered that these are the things that we are most likely to forget. Names, that's so frustrating, isn't it? When somebody comes up to you and they start speaking to you and you know that they know who you are and they know that you don't know who they are. <laughs> and many a times I'll have a conversation with somebody and they walk off and the cookie says, who was that? And I say, I do not know. <laughs> and that's my fault. That's a shame. So we have a problem remembering names. Where something is, that is where we put it. Uh, of course, telephone numbers what was said, and faces. Now, in this new age today, our culture today is probably very commonplace. The most frustrating thing to me is when I have had a site that I've gone to uh, very regularly, some of them I've subscribed to for research, commentaries online, all those kinds of things, and I got a username and a password. And it's supposed to be automatic. But when I went to that site, it said, do you want, you to rem- do you want us to remember that? This dadgum computer has forgotten my password. It's supposed to do the work for me. And that's the most frustrating thing is when I can't remember the password and the computer hasn't remembered it for me. Well, that's frustrating. Somebody has said about, about memory that there are three kinds of memory. There's good, there's bad, and then there's convenient. Sometimes we just conveniently fail to remember. Well, this weekend is, uh, is a time to remember. It's Memorial Weekend. It's more than just a holiday. But it's a time set aside for us to remember, and we recognize you in this hour as well as we did the other hour, our veterans and those who, beyond that, who served, but who gave their life and paid the ultimate price to defend freedom around the world. This special day of Memorial Day started uh, near the end of the Civil War and before long, uh, both the North and the South were decorating the graves with flowers of the fallen soldiers who were buried during that tragic war. In fact, when it first became celebrated, it was known as Decoration Day, when people would go and, and decorate uh, the graves. In fact, I had a couple uh, who regularly attend, and last week said, we won't be with you next Sunday. It's Memorial Weekend. We're going to Tennessee. It's Decoration Sunday on the family graves there. And there's that phrase once again. So why do we have these reminders it's because we have a tendency to forget. We're a forgetful people, and we need reminders. You know, we have smartphones today, and, and we can program to remind you of a meeting or to check on something or to take medicine or whatever it is that they need to tell you to do. I guess the only problem a lot of us have then is just remembering where the cell phone is, okay, where we put the cell phone. So we not only forget keys, wallets, names, telephone numbers, well, sometimes we forget the reason for this Memorial Day celebration. And then, too, even as believers, we're often guilty of forgetting 
what God has done for us and how he has blessed us. And that's why over a hundred times in the Bible we are called, challenged, told to remember what God has done for us. Deuteronomy 7, 18 says, remember well what the Lord your God did. Deuteronomy 24, 18 says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Psalm 105, verse 5 says, remember the wonders He has done. Isaiah 46, 8 says, remember this, fix it in your mind, take it to heart. And then in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, remember that in the past you were without Christ. You were not citizens of Israel, and you had no part in the agreements with the promise that God made to His people. You had no hope, and you did not know God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away from God are brought near through the blood of Christ's death. There's the ultimate sacrifice that we're called to remember. And oftentimes we forget that. Tragically, we take it for granted. We forget it. Just like this weekend. Sometime this weekend, maybe particularly tomorrow, pause and remember the reason for this holiday. There's a memorial time to celebrate and remember those who sacrificed their lives for our freedom. Today is a good day to remember what Christ has done for us as we witness both baptism and Lord's Supper. And our scripture today from the Gospel of Luke is a great challenge for us also to remember this act as we celebrate today in celebrating the Lord's Supper. In the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Luke beginning in verse 14 we read the account of that night according to Luke. He said, when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want you to note that verse. Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he knew what was ahead of him. That night he would be betrayed, he would be arrested, he would be falsely accused, he would be beaten, and then ultimately he would be crucified. And he goes on to say, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Obviously the timing of this meal in which Jesus shared with his disciples was at the time of the Passover. It was a time that Jesus and his disciples probably, uh, the years that they were together, three years or so, had celebrated Passover. So it wasn't a new experience for them to celebrate Passover. But it was going to be significant in in a new way, as Jesus explains to them, though perhaps their hearts and minds weren't quite open to understand it. If we think back in our biblical history, hopefully you remember the event of Passover. And it was something that God gave to His people so that an act that they would celebrate and remember His deliverance from slavery in Egypt. After all the the, uh, plagues that, that God brought upon Pharaoh and his people, He was still so hard-hearted he didn't want to let the people go until that last plague came. The destroyer would come under the hand of God. 
and every firstborn in every household of all animals and of the children would die except those who had the sacrificial lamb's blood over their doorpost. And so that's why the children of Israel were called to celebrate this Passover. And they would do so with a special meal. And the meal would begin with eating bitter herbs, which would remind them of the bitterness of the years of slavery they spent in Egypt. It also involved the eating of bread without yeast, because the bread didn't have time to rise, which reminded them how quickly they needed to flee from Egypt. And it involved the sacrifice of a lamb. And it was the blood from that lamb on the the door, over the door frame of their homes, which allowed that destroyer to to pass over them because they were children of God. And so that's why we get that Passover significance. Now it was God's providential hand that led Jesus to that upper room on that Thursday. See, for over 1,500 years or so, God's people had celebrated and observed Passover. Jesus did so with his disciples. But on that night it would take on a different meaning because the old ways and the old meal and the old covenant were about to be replaced with a new and greater covenant with greater and fuller and more significant meaning. You see each year as God's people observed this Passover they were pointing towards the future. And they were looking forward to the time that the real Passover lamb, the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world would come. And they would celebrate that in all its fulfillment. Now listen to what Jesus said. I ask you to mark verse 15, either in your mind or in your Bibles. That Jesus sits down at the table with them and celebrating that Passover and he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You see, Jesus was eager to do that. I think most of us would think he ought to be a little bit hesitant knowing what was ahead of him. But Jesus said, I'm eager to celebrate this with you. And the original Greek language in which it's written actually used the word twice that Jesus is saying. And to translate it accurately would say, with desire, I desire to have this meal with you. In other words, Jesus was saying this is no ordinary Passover meal. It's going to be significant in a special way. And I'm, I'm earnestly excited and eager to share this with you. And I think he was not looking forward to the agony of the cross, but to what it would bring about. And that is he would display himself as the ultimate sacrifice and he would be the Messiah and he would bring about the possibility, the only possibility in reality of the forgiveness of sins. I think there are two underlying reasons why Jesus gave this meal for us to remember him by. First is to fulfill that Passover. See, the ultimate freedom and the ultimate deliverance from the sin was to be purchased by the Lamb of God. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul said about Christ, Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus wanted to fulfill this and to know that he would fulfill that Passover promise. The second reason I think is that Jesus wanted this to be remembered. He didn't want us to forget. He didn't want the disciples to forget. He didn't want all the believers through all the years to ever forget what Christ had done for them, for us, for you, and for me. Now, as we come today and think about a, a call to remember, and we prepare our hearts for celebrating Lord's Supper, I think there are at least three things we need to, to understand that Jesus would want us to remember as we celebrate. First of all, Jesus wants us to remember our worth. Sometimes we have problem with our self-esteem, and it runs both ways. Sometimes we think more highly of ourselves. Sometimes we have a low self-esteem that we don't think we're worth much. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I don't have any friends. 
You know, nobody likes me. I'm not loved by anybody. Even God doesn't like me. If you ever feel that way, all you have to do is to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. Just look at the cross and be reminded of the fact of how much God values you. That He sent His only Son to die on the cross so that you could have forgiveness of your sins and a relationship with God here and in heaven for all eternity. Peter reminds us of that in Peter 1, uh, 1 Peter 1, 8 verses 18 and 19, when he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as gold or silver that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, every year for uh, uh, when, the, when the children of Israel gathered in Jerusalem for celebrating Passover, the, the population of Jerusalem would swell to over a million people. It's been estimated that perhaps 100,000 lambs would be slaughtered as a sacrifice. And when the people could smell the blood and the burning flesh of that animal sacrifice, they would be reminded of the fact that this was a sacrifice for their sins. And later on they would understand that it was Jesus who made the ultimate sacrifice. He was the fulfillment of that Passover lamb. And so every time we hold the cup and hold the piece of bread and celebrate this Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it, we should be reminded of the fact that, that we are valued in the sight of God. And that God loved us so much and He cared about us so much and He placed such a great value upon us that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. You might have a problem with your low self-esteem, but let me challenge you to remember how much you are worth in the eyes of God. That he was willing to pay the ultimate price for your salvation so that you could have fellowship with him and spend eternity with him. Second thing I think Jesus would want us to remember is that he would want us to remember God's love. Behind all of this is not just the fulfillment of the Passover, not just the fulfillment of prophecy, but the fulfillment of God's love. God's love for every one of us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then Romans 5.8 is a verse about God's love that I love. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And see those two verses together tell us that God loved and that God gave. God demonstrated His love. He let Christ die for us. It reminds us that God loves you personally. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. He loved the entire world and all the people in it, but yet He loved every one of us on an individual level. And He loves every one of us that same way today, even to, to knowing the number of hairs upon our head. It's an intimate love with which He has for us. And God loves you completely. He gave Christ. He held nothing back. He gave the best that He had. And God loves you eternally. And you place your faith in Jesus Christ then you spend eternity with God. And His love is for all eternity, forever and ever and ever. And then thirdly, I think Jesus would want us to remember our future. And what is it in this celebration uh, that, we, that we think about our future? Well, Luke tells us what Jesus said in verses 16 through 18. He says, For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, He gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. See, Jesus spoke about the future when He would share that meal with us in the kingdom of God. He was talking about our future. When we, as the, the bride of Christ, would celebrate in that marriage supper of the Lamb with Christ, 
And Jesus would celebrate with us once again. And He would take that cup and He would drink from that as we would as well. You see, for centuries now we have shared in this cup and we've shared in the bread. How do we dare believe that uh, the future is yet before us where we will share this in, in the glories of heaven with our Lord? Well, you see, it's another promise that God has given to us through Christ. And the Bible tells us that every promise is yes in Christ. And so as God has fulfilled every promise that He has made for us through Christ, then we know that this promise also will be fulfilled. And that one day we will be in eternity. We will be in heaven with God forever. And we will sit down at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And we will share in this with Jesus. That's His promise for us in the future. Several years ago on Memorial Weekend, uh, HBO ran again that World War II um, Band of Brothers show. I think it was one of the best documentaries on World War II I've seen. And it followed the, the life of the Easy Company, I think it was, all the way through the war. And at the end, Major Winter says, says this. He says, when we began this war, these men obeyed me because they were commanded to. Now they obey me because they trust me. You see, what was taking place was that through those years of war together, they learned that their commanding officer was worthy of trust, and they gave it to him freely. Now, the same thing is true with us in our relationship with Christ. Every promise that he has given to us has been fulfilled with yes through Jesus Christ. And that means we can keep trust him to keep the promise of sharing in this meal with us when we all reach heaven and we celebrate there. So we pause today on this Memorial Weekend. We pause to remember. We remember those who have fallen in the defense of freedom. In fact, the marker in front of the World War II monument in Washington, D.C. says, Here we mark the price of freedom. It's not only that on the battlefield, but it's been on the battlefield that Christ fought. Waging war against Satan and sin. And dying in our place. Dying for our sins. That we could be forgiven. And today we need to come to remember the price of our freedom from sin in Jesus Christ. So the invitation is to you today to believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior. To remember what He has done for you. And don't forget those things that He has done for you. It's also a challenge to you that if you've not yet accepted Christ as Savior to do so. Think about all the things He has done for you to celebrate your value and your worth in the sight of God. And the depth of the love that God has for you in sending Jesus Christ. It's also an opportunity as we partake of the bread and the cup to remember with gratitude as believers what Christ has done for us. So the offer to you is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of Spring Valley Baptist or not, that if you're a believer in Christ and have accepted what, what Jesus has done on the cross as the final act for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're invited to partake of the Lord's Supper. The bread represents the body of Christ which was sacrificed for us. The blood represents, uh, the cup represents the blood of Christ. That forgives us of all of our sins through the shedding of His blood. That of the Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. So we're called to remember. And we do that from the table.